Schools communicating clearly with families and community is challenging and yet so important. Educational leaders and teachers know the opportunity of improving our communication skills, but they don't always know how to do it. Patricia Weinzapple is an expert having served as a former television reporter who spent the last decade working with the Evansville Vanderburg School Corporation in Indiana. Here she talks with Jeff about the pragmatic and digestible ways educators can up their game in terms of communicating with those we serve. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, educators, leaders, how are you? My name is Jeff Rose. Welcome to Leader Chat today. And like every week, we bring to you a relevant topic. And the intent here is not for me to stand on a soapbox and tell you about my experience, but rather find expertise, really mine the perspective and expertise of authors and practitioners and our guests continue to deliver every single week. I find that not only am I learning through the discourse, our members who are watching live or watching the video, or people two weeks later who are engaging in the podcast are continue to tell us how much they appreciate the fact that we are bringing this content that is aligned to their daily, weekly, monthly needs. And it's our job just to pay attention. What are people struggling through? What is difficult as it relates to leading educational systems? And then pair that with experts, which is exactly what we're doing here today. So I'm going to be introducing here in a moment uh, Patricia Weinzapple. And so Patricia is a former television reporter who spent the last decade working in the Evansville Vanderbilt School District in Indiana, Corporation in Indiana helping the district build relationships with families and community partners. She became so enamored with this idea of communication as a game changer for family engagement that she wrote a book about it. I'm gonna be talking about that, but also other things. The book is called Closing the Loop, Powerful and Practical Guide to School Home Communication. A short, simple, practical, easy read that's focused on how to improve school home communication with families. I'm also gonna be talking with Patricia about this, which is a playbook for clear, effective, meaningful school communication. Um, I've looked at it. I've read it very carefully. I've made lots of notes um, in it. and we'll be talking that, about that as well. And today, Patricia spends her time traveling to school districts, either virtually or in person, to talk with teachers and staff to provide communication training. I was introduced to Patricia via a mutual friend, and um, I just find that we focus on finding these guests that help leaders and engaging families has never been as important and challenging as it is now. In fact, talking with Patricia, she said, you know, it's, it's not nice to communicate um, and engage with families. It's actually necessary. I love that line. I've clearly stolen it, um, which is what good educators do, right? We're great thieves. So without further ado, let's invite Patricia to the screen and Patricia, I really feel like um, I nailed um, your last name. I feel like I said it correctly or I came pretty close. How did I do? You did, you did perfectly. Yeah, it's a tough one and I gave up a perfectly simple last name uh, to adopt that one. So good job for you. Yeah, thanks. And I, I know I breezed uh, past your bio, but um, it's, one, it's one reason I was so excited to talk with you is that 
your past experience and expertise, and then of course that you kind of you know dipped your toe and dove into the school system world. Um, it just brings a very unique perspective that I think is so needed in education. And so, can you maybe just talk to us about that? You know, that transition from being this you know broadcast journalist to actually then supporting a school system aligned to you know, communicating with families, which is no easy feat. And I can just say, I don't think we always do very well with it in education for a variety of reasons that we'll discuss. Yeah, there are a lot of barriers. Well, it's almost, first off, I'm thrilled to be here with you and thrilled to have this conversation because as you said, this topic is just incredibly important, especially right now as we are still somewhat in the middle of the pandemic, but hopefully looking toward um, a time when we can rebuild. And so the question really then is, how do we make our way back? And we make our way back with clear, concise, um, compassionate communication. So my background, it's so fascinating because truthfully, it's almost like it was meant to be. I spent 15 years as a broadcast journalist and um, had the privilege to make a choice to stay home with my kids. We were talking earlier that I ended up with three children under the age of two, which was a little intensive. Um, and after about 10 years of that, I thought, I'm ready to go back to work. Along the way, I had met a woman who works with our local school district, our public school district. And when the district received a very large federal full service community school grant, she brought me in to manage that grant in part because she said she realized one of the biggest barriers in education period was this communication space. So that's how I ended up working for a school district. This work kind of just dovetailed right out of that. I, I was lost when I first started at my school district. I couldn't understand half of the words, the acronyms were completely off-putting, and at times I would find myself Googling stuff under the table. And then I ended up going to conferences where invariably once during every session, somebody would say, why do we talk to families the way we do? And after hearing that five, six times, I finally thought to myself, I can help with this because actually, the skill of a broadcast journalist is really to take very complicated subjects like combined sewer overflow and um, present them in ways that are clear and concise and ways that resonate with the audience. So one, one of the conferences that night, I sat in my hotel room and just started getting some thoughts on paper. And that's where the book came from. Now, you know, I'll, let's talk about uh, something you mentioned. You said kind of find our way back. Um, I'm curious, though, because the last couple of years, as you've actually uh, done writing on, specifically, you know, navigating this COVID chaos and what has, what has happened, right? A lot has been fractured. Um, and in some ways, making our way back may be impossible as it relates to or compared to maybe, maybe moving forward. What, what have you learned um, over just the past couple of years as it relates to how do, we, how do we move forward from here, knowing that, you know, we've had these challenges in the past, but we're trying to want to leapfrog them and move forward as opposed to, we, our goal is not to go back, right? So, right. I mean, the last couple of years, you've done a lot of kind of research and thinking on this topic of moving forward. That's, that's what I read about in, 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 the, in the playbook. 
Well, I think we have a real opportunity right now. Um, this is a moment in education, and I think that's why the work you're doing is so important. We are really at, at a, a very pivotal point. I think um, we make our way back with communication, but it starts with really just acknowledging the expertise that families have and opening our hearts to being able to bring in that, that expertise. And it, the responsibility for good communication really does lie with the educators, because as you spoke about in your introduction, there are so many barriers to education for families. So it's really on us to begin to look at our communication practices, figure out how we might improve those practices, and then put put our um, put our, our words into action. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on myself. I'm a career long educator myself, um, so I can I can say that sometimes as it relates to communicating, um, we can be our worst enemy as educators. We have a hard time getting out of our own way because we are so accustomed and so passionate uh, about our topics, our acronyms perhaps, that we communicate in the way that we would maybe talking to our peers or we just become used to it because that's what we do all day, every day. Your perspective is very different and very unique and clearly that's what you help with. So how, how do you think that, what have you learned as it relates to working with teachers and school districts and leaders to help us get out of our own way specific to communicating with families, which we all know is important. We sometimes just don't know exactly how to do it. Well, I think you, in, in the world of education, there's a bubble. I mean, and it's just natural. You know, we form friendships at work, we fall in love at work. And so oftentimes we tend to socialize with each other. And when we use our big words, when we use our authoritative tone, when we provide our information, it actually in many ways streamlines our communication with each other. I think the real barriers happen when we step outside of that bubble and we start to look at how are we communicating with families. One of the things that is fundamental to who I am, even though I spent 10 years in education, I still consider myself a journalist. And really the skill set of a journalist is the ability to always maintain that separateness and always be able to look at things from an outside perspective. The most important thing that an educator can do is step outside of their experience and step into the shoes of the families that they're working to communicate with. And when you start to do that, you will naturally be able to pare down your information. You will naturally be able to understand these words are a little long. These acronyms are a little unclear and you'll be able to have a more compassionate understanding partnership tone. So that ability just to take a step back and, you know, look at the situation and put yourself in the shoes of the receiver of the information is one of the good places to start as we look to get out of our own way. I imagine uh, uh, a few weeks ago, I had um, somebody who you know, Steve Constantino on, on the show. And, you know, he talked about engaging families and um, how to kind of partner with them in a variety of ways. Well, Steve and I, we've both been educators our entire career, right? So the value of having people like you and pulling them into the bubble to help us be more effective outside of the bubble, I think... Um, is something we should think about and uh, really learn to appreciate. 
and acknowledged as an important part of um, working with those that we serve. So what has that been like for you? Maybe you can expand on the concept of you being a non-educator, but now supporting educators and education. Um, and, and what have you learned maybe about us or maybe yourself and how have you found balance and do you feel appreciated doing it? I do. I think um, sometimes there is a natural, it's natural to be a little suspect. And um, so I think just opening your idea that outside perspectives can be of value. When you look at any field, any field can benefit from just that outside perspective for somebody to come in with some creativity and some fresh ideas and somebody who has the knowledge and background and skill set to actually challenge thinking. I think that's what we're going to need as we look to, to move forward. We are going to need fresh ideas and different perspectives. There's a lot of value in that. Along with bringing people in, I think it's important for educators, particularly leaders, to create those spaces where they feel empowered to share their knowledge in a way that benefits the team. So creating those collaborative spaces, I think, are, are really important. And that is something that when I started at my district, that's something that I felt. I felt like there was a real respect for my perspective and for my skill set. But beyond that, I felt comfortable sharing my expertise um, and bringing my gifts to the table. The you know, reading, reading your materials, whether, you know, your website, the playbook, and, you know, obviously um, with, with, with the new book, your advice to educators seems to really focus on the pragmatic, on how you help people who say, I know communicating is important. I know it's important, but I don't know exactly know how. So your advice seems to be, like I said, pragmatic, but it's like this hand-holding process on giving very specific tips to that. Can you maybe walk us through that, that process and how you, how you do that and what that niche has been like? Well, it's important to me to practice what I preach. I mean, I am not somebody that you're going to, you know, my book is this big, right? It's not full of research and theory and all that. It is designed to give you what you need to know right now to be able to communicate with families. Practical tips, tools, and techniques, because truthfully, part of the challenge in education is that people don't have a ton of time. And I can't think of a field where there's even less time than being an educator and a teacher in the world we live in right now. So everything has to be doled out in really digestible chunks, bite-sized pieces, information that can immediately be put to use, and you know, information that's accessible and easy. So that was kind of why I decided to take the approach that I had. In addition to that, I actually sat through a lot of that professional development in my district. And at the end of the day, what you said is exactly right. You know, I get it. Communicating with families is important. But what do I say and what do I do? That's where I feel like my work, that's the niche that I have found for the work that I've been doing. Do you find that, that your niche and, and the work that you're doing right now with you know, teachers and educational leaders, um, do you find that it's trying to, uh, do people come to you and say, listen, this is what we're trying to do, how? 
Or do you find that you're uh, kind of at the beginning part where you're describing and giving them a roadmap moving forward? Is it, are you doing both? Um, what takes up the majority of your requests? Because I'm sure you have a lot of them. Oh, sure. Things are busy. I mean, as, as you said, we now know communicating with families isn't just nice. It's absolutely necessary. I think the first step is just I do a lot of examples. So when you say here is here's how how, you know, how an educator wrote it and here's how it can be written. It is amazing to see the light bulbs come on. And truthfully, just that realization of it doesn't have to be written this way. It can be written this way. It can be written with simpler language, with a, a, a more partnership-friendly tone that is engaging. I can go ahead and pare down the information. Not Families don't have to know all the inside baseball stuff, right? I can take all that out. Just seeing those examples side by side can be very powerful. Beyond that, you know, typically once you realize, gosh, what we are doing right now isn't quite working, not quite hitting the mark, then you can start to give some of the really simple tips and tools. So that's how I see the work kind of playing out. Just get once you have that realization, you can really see that it can be different and there's more motivation to change and then the second half of what I do with districts is really coming alongside and telling them, this is how. Uh, years ago, Patricia, when I was a, a principal, it was a while ago, um, I, was, I was very proud of myself for my weekly communication, my, the weekly newsletter that I put out, because it was thorough. Um, I thought I was being just so clear and giving parents lots of information about the comings and goings and what we value at the school and I put so much work into this. I put one that went out to the families and I put it one that went out to the staff every single week, every single week. And um, so, and I noticed the parents, they would say they really appreciated. Um, I, however, I did have a parent on the PTA say, you know, Jeff, I'm concerned that no one's reading what you're putting out. And I, I let her know, oh, they're reading it because it's really good stuff. They're reading it. So um, I came up with this idea with her, and I put um, kind of a secret message within them um, and asking them to respond if they, in fact, had read it. And um, you would imagine that I didn't get very many responses. And in fact, while people appreciated my effort, they were not reading it because of you know the extent the, the the amount I was writing the educational ease and so forth and and going through your playbook it caused some um, this kind of latent guilt that I have been feeling over the past several days so um, because you're right um, the intent maybe didn't match the need if that makes sense and so um, but you are very very practical and very clear on what you are advising educators to do in order to do what we say we all value. So um, I thought that was interesting. Well, right, I, I mean, the, the point of it is we're already doing the work, right? So let's just do that work better. Let's um, communicate in a way that, that actually brings families into the learning process, that actually gives them the information they need to be able to participate and be able to bring their expertise to the table. In the years ahead, that is going to become even more important 
that we take, I, I like to say that we take the veil off of what we do in education. Let's bring, use our words to bring families into our world and actually allow them to bring the expertise that they have about their children to the table so that we can work together to promote student success. I am not an expert in algebra, but I'm an expert in Benjamin Weinsaffel. So I, I can be at the table if you've given me the information and the access and you've approached me in the right way, I can bring that expertise in the table and we can, we can work together. And you know, as Steve's research has shown and, and research across the nation, when families and schools work together, it results in student success. Not only that, it's just a, a beautiful thing. And yeah, we, the we right thing to do. World. So let's, let's continue on that theme. There was like, there was pre-pandemic, there was during and then you know, hopefully we can start thinking and talking like post. So as we make that transition, what what are some of your thoughts about how communication has changed over time or maybe what you see as potential uh, hopeful trends in the future? Well, there's some very powerful research coming out right now that we really, as I said, we have a moment. So there was a, um, a study done by Learning Heroes last year that eight out of 10 parents, um, parents and caregivers are planning to get more involved in their children's education and planning to make more of an effort to find out how their child is doing. So we really have that moment right now. I think the changes that we've seen over time, when you think about when school first started, everything's changed. I mean, we have technology now that we've never had before, but when you think about that technology, it's amazing, but it's only as good as the words we're sending over it. <laughs> so being mindful of how are we using this technology and what are we saying um, when we're using this technology? I think another thing to keep in mind is that schools are so much more complicated right now. Education is so much more complicated. So we were talking earlier, I've got three kids. When it was time to get those kids into college, even though I went to college, everything's changed. So as a parent, that's hard to keep up with, but as educators, it's our jobs. So being mindful of the fact that the, the the idea of school and education that parents have in their mind doesn't necessarily match what we're, what's going on right now. So we have to be mindful of um, bringing them into that, into that learning process. And then when you think about communicating with families, everything that you see in the world, all of those social challenges are playing out in our families' lives. So right now, People just have so much less of an attention span that they used to have. I mean, you know, a lot of it is the technology that we're using, but you know, there's research that our our attention span is shorter than a goldfish right now. So we have to be mindful of just how busy people's lives are and how that factors into their ability to to read a, a newsletter like the one that you described you you put together. Let's give them information that is useful, quick, and brings them into the into the learning. The closing the loop, um, your, your book, your, your your new book. I know that you had done writing prior too, and then you 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 leaned in amidst the pandemic, and you know changed what you had written, right, or, or added to, right. So, can you tell us about that, and 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 what modified, and maybe give us some specifics, you know, from the book about this practical advice you're giving educators now maybe in comparison to what you once used to? I, 
right now we're seeing a lot of strong emotions in education. Yeah. I think that's probably the, the best way to put it. So a lot of what I wrote about was just this moment and how educators, families need to have access and understand the learning process. But right now educators really need families too. I mean, they need to feel supported in their work. They need to feel like they need help getting the word out about stuff that's going on in the world. They need to try to battle back against some of the, the, the news out there that isn't exactly um, correct. So there is a need to create this stronger communication highways. And think about it. How, how much better would educators feel like if they felt like families had their back and they felt like families understood what they were doing? You only get that way with communication. So there was that piece I wanted to add along with just the the beautifulness of the virtual conversation that really eliminates a lot of barriers to communication and helping educators make the most of that and making sure that families feel comfortable in a virtual space is important at the end of the day and steve says this all the time you know it's less about coming to the school but and more about working together in those conversations and that sharing that we're having that's where the student success and the you know family engagement happens. I, I've recently found myself, and in, in hearing you, you talk, it reminds me of of these recent um, soapbox um, that I've been on, which is, you know, educational leaders um, have this tendency to want to demonstrate proficiency as a leader, right? I mean, we we kind of preach proficiency for everything, right? Whether it's third grade reading, whatever it may be. We are trying to help students become proficient. In the meantime, as leaders, we feel pressure when we walk into a room to own the room and demonstrate that we actually do know what we're talking about. In the meantime, um, in, in other parts of leadership outside of education, a trait that's currently being valued is vulnerability. Right? The concept of how leaders demonstrate vulnerability so that they can create these trusting relationships potentially with their colleagues, but often with their clients, because it helps create trust, which in some ways makes me worry that that's almost counterintuitive to an educational leader. Um, do you see the, the, the need for us as educational leaders to learn how to be, um, you know, vocally um, in our writing or physically vulnerable to the people that we're trying to serve? Um, Absolutely. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, please. I'm, 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 just, I'm just bringing you into some of my, my thoughts no, these days. There is a formality in education. There just is. From the suits we wear, you know, which can be a little formal, all right, in a school, um, to the language that we use. And and we feel like we have to be the authorities and the experts in, in everything. But when we are trying to engage families, we're actually, we are partners. We're both experts. We're both bringing that expertise to the table. And one thing I, I do want to mention is that we sometimes um, think that we're, that we're doing a good job, that we're overcoming some of these these. The, some of these barriers and that we're showing the vulnerability that we need to show. But at the end of the day, um, if families don't understand something, they're not going to tell you, 
right? Who among us is sitting in a meeting? We don't understand something. We raise our hand and ask a question. Very rare person. So they're not necessarily going to tell you. And they're not necessarily going to tell you when they feel overwhelmed or when they feel like your approach is intimidating. They will simply disengage. We will simply not see them. So taking the time to communicate and to your point, showing that vulnerability. I don't have all the answers, but you do. You might. You've known that child since the day he 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 was born, you know, or the or or the day he came into your lives. So I think acknowledging that and showing that vulnerability, and at the end of the day, if we're communicating effectively, we are asking more questions than talking. We are actually doing more listening. That's where the richness has to happen in order for students to succeed. Well, to your point, if, if we listen and we really put effort into having empathy for those that we're trying to serve our families, and if we're transparent with them, if they can be empathetic with educators too, that is, that is a magical place, right? Because we're going to get it wrong as it relates to communicating occasionally, right? And we won't know, like you say, there'll be these gaps in communication, but if families know that there is a struggle, even in some of these communication strategies that we're trying, we just don't know how to do it as well as we would like. It seems to change the dynamics of that conversation to where, you know, we're in this together, there's a partnership. And if we can share our challenges with each other, there's maybe some mutual solutions we haven't considered in the past. That's where words can be very powerful. I, I don't, I may not be saying this the right way. I may not be approaching this the right way. So help, you can say things like that. You don't have to maintain a formality. You can say, I'm not sure I'm gonna get this right, or make me, I just wanna make sure I'm understanding what you're saying. We can use words like that, but we can also engage families in our, in our communication work. How powerful would it be if, you know, we had a school, a school communication team or a district communication team, perhaps made up of journalists and parents and caregivers and, and grandmothers and, you know, all the beautiful, um, all the beautiful diversity of, of our families. Some of the most powerful trainings I do are when um, a, a district or a school will have families sitting alongside educators going over examples. So it's not me saying, people, they're not gonna understand this. It's actually the family saying, this isn't working for me. I don't understand this, this document. I don't know these words. You know, I, I don't know what you're trying to do here. But even beyond that, this process isn't working for me. You, you know, you have come up with this idea of, this is your communication highway. It's, it's not necessarily meeting our needs. So being mindful that just, Bringing them into that can really help open your eyes and move your communication work forward in a way that's really powerful. Agree, and you know most most of our uh, content that we provide to our our leadership circle members um, is uh, related to how we get them together to help one another. It's a it's a collaborative process, but once a week we do provide this kind of content. Um, if we were to pretend that we're not talking at, but we're talking with leaders around the table. You and I are sitting around a table with educational leaders. What would you want your pragmatic last piece of advice to them to be? 
open your hearts to this work. The most, the, the way you start is by just opening your heart to bringing families into the learning process. That, that this work starts in your heart. So that would be, that would probably be my first, and that's not quite pragmatic, but that would be my first thing. I can give you the tips and the tools and the techniques, and I can raise your level of understanding, but at the end of the day, you have to want to do it. From a practical standpoint, just understanding the idea of the language that we're using and how that can be so off-putting, the amount of information we're sending, do families need to know this? And then always just striking that real partnership tone, understanding in this instance, it's an equal partnership and, and you are not an authority. You're an expert in education, but the parent also has an expertise and is an authority in their child. Those are the three really, that idea of the words, the idea of, is this information that families really need to know? And then that always trying to strike that, that appropriate partnership tone. And Those at are... the end of the day, always, always thanking parents for what they do because any, because, First off, being a parent can be a thankless job, <laughs> but also because, you know, at, at the end of the day, whatever engagement that families are providing needs to be acknowledged and thanked. I, I, I find those pieces, those three kind of levels of advice to be very practical, even though the open your heart is pragmatic, by the way. It, and there is a way to do that. And I think educators, um, if they truly think about that in their communication of, am I Am I not just relaying information, but am I am I showing who we are? Am I showing uh -huh. our values and what we say? That that's opening your heart, which by the way is what draws you to education in the first place. So yeah. if we can just continue to communicate our why and what we do, I think that um, I think that's motivating for parents to hear. And I'm I, I think it's very pragmatic. I think they're pristine three pieces of advice you just mentioned. So thank you. Well, taking that veil off of what we do, I love that you said explain why. Uh, that is absolutely. Let's let's lay it all out there, and then you know families will have an understanding. They'll be able to partner with us, but they'll also be able to advocate for us, which you know is pretty powerful stuff. Well, your 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 work is um, is really really in needed right now. I appreciate this. This concept of, of it is such a need, but let's hold hands of educators so that they can do it well to be um, very valuable. As we move forward, I'm going to make sure that we let our members as well as in the podcast know on how they, how they download the playbook uh, because that's really easy to do. Um, it takes a couple of minutes and it just takes you know a, a brief period of time to read when like I said, if you can make me feel guilty for uh, all of the impressive newsletters I think I used to write um, in such a short period of time, well done. So, um, yeah, thank you, Patricia. I really, really appreciate our conversation today. Well, thank you. This was wonderful. And thank you for all the work you do on behalf of students and families. All right. Okay. Thank you. Be well. Ladies and gentlemen, um, you see, I, I, think, I, I think that why I appreciated this conversation and what I, why I learned from reading Patricia's work is, um, is just the concept of how we take what we know is important, but maybe we don't know how to do and get the advice and expertise 
on people who have done that well in their past. I'm so grateful that Patricia now works um, in school systems to help us with that process. And so to be able to have this leader chat today was perfect, perfect timing. And I hope you all enjoyed it. I'm sure you did. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders, educators, be well.